Good morning. It is really great to be here. Um, wow, that was music to my ears to hear that quartet this morning. I grew up listening to male quartets and have always appreciated them. And uh, that was no exception. Love that old hymn and, and the quartet. And then if the bulletin was right, I assume that was Brenda telling that story. Um, that, that was great. That was just neat to hear her share uh, a little piece of herself and her, and her childhood. And um, the kids probably didn't even realize she was reminiscing at all, but, but th that was neat. And the things that she learned. And quite honestly, it's a good lead into my message this morning because some of my most enjoyable times are filled with hearing those personal stories as well as telling the personal stories of the ways that we have been blessed. Those simple ways that we didn't even know we were learning something as a child. For example, a blessing that I experienced as a child was given to me by my grandma and grandpa Hess when they came to stay with my family on the farm. Grandma loved to recite poetry. Almost, she'd do funny ones and she'd do serious ones and I can remember as a kid, we used to think, oh no, here goes grandma again. <laughs> if we got to fighting, grandma had a poem to tell us. If you ask grandma how she was feeling, she had her answer was with a poem that pretty much described honestly how she was feeling. And then, like I said, she had some inspirational ones. When we got older, we couldn't wait to take our friends to meet grandma and have grandma tell them some of her, her poems. But grandma also loved to sing. I remember her sitting in that old squeaky rocking chair that we had next to the piano, and she would sing with gusto in her soprano voice many of her favorite hymns as I played and sang along with her. We did that for hours because, you see, Grandma's favorite hymns were most of the hymns in the hymn book, and Grandma not only knew the first verse, but the second and oftentimes the third verse, too. And then Grandpa, at nighttime, he would have me come and kneel with him beside his bed. He would cup my little hands in his big hands, and then we would pray. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but at a young, young age, I was very blessed to have learned to be a good steward of worship every day of the week. I also have fond memories of mealtime conversations with my parents and my siblings. Some were good, deep, intellectual conversations, and yes, some became very argumentative. But what I remember most 
is that after every breakfast, lunch, and dinner, my father would give my mother a kiss before he left the house. Even if they just had an argument, dad would not leave the house without giving mother a kiss. I didn't know it at the time. But at a very young age, I was blessed to have learned to be a good steward of relationships. My blessings from family members could go on and on. In a nutshell, I have been blessed by being part of a family that were good stewards of their Christian beliefs. But I realize that some, even some in this very room, don't have family memories like mine or Brenda's. Instead, memories of alcohol, abuse, or even loneliness are triggered when hearing references to grandparents, parents, and siblings. And I must confess, I can't begin to imagine what that would have been like. And sometimes when listening to those stories, I suddenly feel helpless. I don't know how to respond. And then I ask myself, so if I've been blessed with good relationships and others haven't, does that mean that there is no way they have been blessed? No. You see, we all have blessings far greater than the personal blessings that I've just shared. In our scripture text today, we read that in spite of their most severe trial, in spite of their extreme poverty, the Macedonian Christians were extremely generous. Why? Because they knew they had something special and they were blessed. I like the way our greatest blessing is described in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. That's the parable that we know as the prodigal son. In this parable, we refer to the youngest son as the prodigal because after his father gave him his portion of his inheritance, he left home. He lived what he thought was a glorious life. And then he squandered his inheritance and then lived a miserable life to the extent that he desired to eat what the pigs were eating. In other words, he lived an extravagant, wayward life, and then he was at rock bottom when he decided he'd live a better life by going back home and living as one of his father's hired help. Now, wait a minute. Before I lose you totally, I'm sure you're asking, what in the world does that have to do with our greatest blessings? Well, you see, 
So often, we think of prodigal as wayward. But prodigal is also defined as extravagant, which can be a good thing. And I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. And it's also defined as lavish. And lavish means generous and unrestrained in giving. So considering this definition, we miss the key message of this parable when we consider the son as the only prodigal. You see, in verse 20 of chapter 15, the parable goes on to tell us that the son headed back to his father to apologize for his wrongdoings and to live as one of his father's hired help. But get this. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and his father was filled with compassion. So he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son apologized, and the father, almost ignoring the apology, said, said to the servants, quick. Bring the nicest robe for him. Kill the best calf. And let's celebrate. This son of mine was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he is found. So they all celebrated. Brothers and sisters, this parable isn't about the prodigal son. It's about our prodigal God. God is extravagant. God is a prodigal God. God's love is far beyond our human comprehension. Think about that and listen to these words of a song that were written on the wall of an asylum by a man said to have been demented. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every one a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the soul contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels' song. For those of you younger than me that don't know what a quill is, it's like a fountain pen. And a fountain pen required a little jar of ink. 
And in order to write with that pen, you would put it in that ink well. So if the ocean were the ink, and we dipped the pen into the ocean to write about the love of God, it would drain the oceans dry. And if we tried to write it then on a scroll, it would take more than stretching it from sky to sky to write about God's love. That's our prodigal God. That is our blessing. And this is a basic starting point for a child of God, to know and understand how extravagant God's love is for us, and to accept how generous he is in giving his love to us, lavishly and unrestrained. <clears throat> As Christians, we must embrace our identity as God's beloved, as ones richly blessed. When we accept God's gift of Jesus as our personal savior, we say that we have been born again. This simply means that we are born into a new community. We are born into Christ's community. In the Church of the Brethren, that community starts with a community where you are baptized or where you are a member, such as here at Spring Creek. And since Spring Creek was birthed by a community of the Church of the Brethren members, you as an individual are also a part of a larger community known as the Atlantic Northeast District. And that is a part of an even larger community known as the Church of the Brethren denomination. Remember, being a part of this community, God did not want you to be alone. So being a part of this community is a blessing from God. And it's in appreciation of that that we give back to him by being a blessing to one another here at Spring Creek and in the Hershey community and in the Atlantic Northeast District community and in our Church of the Brethren community, which takes us to the ends of the world. The great-grandfather of the well-known gospel singer Amy Grant was a co-founder and the president of a life and casualty insurance company in Tennessee. And in her book, Mosaic, Amy shares a letter that he wrote to his co-workers. And in that letter, he writes, the life which gives multiplies itself. The life which absorbs destroys itself and others. He goes on to say that if a man is not a giver, he is out of harmony with his surroundings. I'd like to repeat that this way. If each of us is not a giver, we are out of harmony with our surroundings. There's a song that says, Yesu, Yesu, 
Fill us with your love. Show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. Notice, even our neighbors, good, bad, or indifferent, are from God. So, I encourage you to do as the Macedonian Christians. Be generous with all that you have, your time, your talents, and your offerings. Your generous giving brings hope to a hopeless neighbor in the world. It was because of love that our prodigal God generously gave hope to this world through Jesus Christ. Therefore, as God's community of believers, we must work together to build up one another, to lavish each other with God's love, and together take it out into the larger community. And we can build up one another simply by praying together, worshiping together. And if you notice a special gift in someone, encourage them to consider serving by using that gift. It might just be your words of encouragement that motivate them to agree serving on the board here at Spring Creek or on the board with the district or the denomination. Your words of encouragement might motivate someone to serve with disaster response or children's disaster service, helping at Camp Suatara, and so on and so on. Or you might even encourage someone to become an ordained minister. I challenge you, as God's community of believers, to be generous with your offerings. As Christians, when we generously use and give away our possessions, our property, our time, our talent, our finances, for the well-being of others, we then become superior to money and property. Our money and property no longer own and rule us as these possessions become a way of ministering everlasting life. Generous giving is hope giving to a hopeless world. As I said, our prodigal God was generous when he brought hope to this world, to each one of us through Jesus Christ. Generous giving is grace giving. As Paul so nicely shared with you this morning, I'll summarize what he had said by saying, for us, it isn't giving out of obligation or forced giving. It's giving from the heart. Generous giving is also pipeline giving. It's spreading the gospel story to those in need. And always remember, God is a lavish giver. He gave his son to free us from our sins. He gave us land and food, a mind and hands to work. He gave us community. He is a prodigal God. Brothers and sisters, as a child of God, this is your story. Accept God's blessing 
and live by giving back to him, by being a prodigal Christian. Again, in the words of the Apostle Paul, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So with grateful hearts, we will give back to him as much as we can and more. And when we accept his lavish love and generously give back to him, we will find that in spite of our past, in spite of our current circumstances, we are most richly blessed. And you know, we don't only give back to him through our service and our offerings. We also give back to him through our worship. So I invite you right now to begin right now to generously give by standing in spirit as you are able and singing with great joy in your heart, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. This is our story. This is our song. <laughs> 